Hi, welcome to Meet Me the Movies right here on C19 TV and WGWG.org. We appreciate you spending time with us uh, as we talk movies, as we talk cinema, as we talk documentary, as we talk about anything relating to visual entertainment. And I'm really happy to have Robin Hauser uh, as our guest today. Uh, we've been trying to get uh, Robin on the show, and, and there have been a few speed blocks on, on my, or speed bumps on my end, and I'm happy we could work through those. And Robin, glad you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Now, Robin, you are an award-winning filmmaker. You have created some incredible documentaries, and there's one we're going to spend some time talking about today called Bias. Uh, and But first, I want to give uh, our uh, viewers and our listeners a little background on who Robin Hauser is. How did you get involved in this? What drew you into this industry? Well, I started making films about 10 years ago. Um, I've been a still photographer since, oh gosh, I think since I took a, a mini course in, in grade school when I was about eight years old. Um, so it's really been, uh, well, photography has been a big part of my life uh, for a long time. And um, I remember once seeing a film called uh, Born into Brothels that actually I think won an Academy. It was just a brilliant film. Uh, I was in my 20s when I saw it and I thought, this is my calling. Someday I've got to make a visual, you know, the, the idea of visual storytelling was just um, really compelling to me. So, you know, it's one of those things where you never know when someday is going to be, but I kept thinking someday I'm going to make a film. Um, and my daughter actually was involved in an incident in high school with, uh, she was on the cross country team and uh, her coach had, had uh, Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. And uh, there was a, a really um, compassionate story that, that developed around her cross country team and their beloved coach. And so that was my first um, attempt at, at, at documentary filmmaking. It's a film called Running for Jim. And, um, and after that, I had the bug. Then I had yeah. to keep films, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there is something about documentaries, uh, you know, when you're able to see real life play out. Uh, I love film as well. I love narrative film and I love storytelling through characters. But to watch documentaries, I've just I've always been drawn to documentaries myself. And uh, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes, so many people don't see that or think about that. But uh, as I was watching Bias, which we're going to talk about, I can only imagine the amount of footage that you had to pour through to get this narrative to, to come out. And uh, I, I just have to ask this question, how many hours <laughs> of footage, uh, raw footage did you have before you started scaling it down into uh, kind of a complete narrative that we see now? Well, that, that's always the trick, right? Because I think every documentary filmmaker overshoots some. You know, I'm even going to, uh, find an expert and, and film an expert interview and then there's a chance that that expert however fabulous they are doesn't end up making it in the film and of course because of budgetary constraints you want to try to have that not happen very much um, but it does happen sometimes because of the of the style of documentaries that that I make we don't end up with hours and hours and hours of, of footage that we don't use um, but there's definitely some that, that ends up on the, on the cutting room floor, I think. Um, but that's the real key and the trick, especially if you're trying to keep things within budget is not to overshoot. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you want to have, you want to make sure that you have, you have enough material to create your story. So there's that, that fine balance that you have to find when you're putting these together. Correct. 
Absolutely, you want to have choices in the editing room, especially with B-roll. So you want to have a lot of different B-roll. We also typically would have two to three cameras on any one interview so that we can cut away to different, to a wide shot, to a side shot, to, you know, to a direct shot. Um, I think those are important in the editing room just to have it, and it keeps it more, more interesting for the viewer. I think the key is to know your story, know your storyline. And then it's going to be a little bit easier to determine, um, you know, where are we missing? Where are the holes? What do we really need? Um, and, you know, if I were making a film about, I don't know, you know, brown trout or something, I'd probably <laughs> have to spend a lot more time, you know, filming the river to wait for that, you know, trout to, to, to leap up or something right. like that. And that's a little bit different nature, right. um, a different type of film than what I'm making. So what are the stories that you're drawn to, the ones that you're drawn to watching and engaging in, but then also what are the stories you're drawn to, to want to share with others? Yeah, I'll pretty much watch anything. And when I do, I see it, I think, through different lens. So um, I like to learn. And so when I'm watching a film, uh, again, whether it's about, you know, a spotted butterfly or whether it's about, um, you know, democracy, I, I find it interesting. And I I'm always looking at camera angles. I'm, I'm always trying to learn from other filmmakers um, because I didn't, you know, I've only been a filmmaker for the last 10 years, right? So I still, I have a lot to learn. Um, the type of films that I like to make are cause-based films. I really want to try to um, bring to light some pressing societal issues uh, that I think are important. I definitely have a theme. I think a lot of my films, pretty much all my films to date are, are women empowerment films. Um, so that's something that is um, interesting to me and I feel, I feel drawn to helping you know, women, but also helping men um, and helping everybody understand the, what I find to be pressing societal issues. So the, the film that I made after Running for Jim was called Code Debugging the Gender Gap. And that was about the lack of diversity in tech. And honestly, it, it was a film that I thought would be interesting to maybe only um, people in Silicon Valley, but that film has now been to 85 countries and been wow. you know, dubbed and translated into lots of different languages. So interestingly, this idea of you know, the importance of diversity in not just in tech, but across, um, across fields, right? Across industries. Um, was something that was interesting to people, not just in America, but really all over. Now, you talked about that first film that you did, uh, Running for Jim. Mm -hmm. What about the training? What kind of training did you go through? Was it formal? Was it informal? Was it you deciding, okay, I'm going to find a way to make this happen? It was definitely informal. Okay. Um, my training was just trial by fire. I mean, it was literally jumping in. I was um, lucky enough to learn from another um, a documentary filmmaker who was very experienced. David Brown is his name. And the two of us worked together on that film. So I learned a lot from him. Um, and then I ended up, uh, you know, I think luckily I work in, in a documentary film community in San Francisco. And I will say that the community that I learned from um, were really generous people. So everybody was willing to share their knowledge and to give advice and to help and to consult and advise. And I am forever grateful to the San Francisco documentary community for helping me with that. And you know, there's one thing about being a director. I have a vision, I have an idea. 
Um, but I can hire people much more um, experienced than I am, right? And I count on them in terms of line producers or editors or camera people. Um, luckily, I can learn a lot from them. Um, and I think with every film, I've grown as a filmmaker. I think there is something about that community, especially the documentary filmmaking community. And there's a support there. Um, you, you find that... Uh, that people want you to succeed uh, at the stories you're telling. And uh, it's one thing to be able to go out, find your material, shoot your documentary, put it together. And then you look at it and you look at that baby that you've helped to create. But then when you get the feedback from others who are getting a chance to see it and those that are, um, I guess, um, truly em embracing it because it's part of who they are. There's a difference um, in how those responses um, come across for you and for others. I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever. <laughs> well, if I'm understanding what you're, what you're getting at um, correctly, I can tell you that it's pretty nerve wracking when you first release a film and, or the first time you do a public screening, you have a little bit of a, of a sense because you've done some test screenings, but really that, that you know, world premiere is, a, is a, a stressful moment. And I will say that, yes, I mean, I get enormous um, you know, gratification out of, out of any feedback I get from the audience where it has affected somebody personally. So anytime I have inspired just even one person in the audience, or um, I remember getting emails or people coming up to me saying, I want to learn how to code now. You know, mm. I want to become a, a little, young girl saying to me, I'm so inspired. I want to learn how to code. And that to me just, I mean, that is, that is just, it, it's why I do what I do. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it makes me feel so grateful to be um, part of this documentary world and to have this as a career. I think there's a moment in everyone's life when they find that something that they love and that that's something that they feel they're they're good at as well. Do you remember what when that moment was for you that you realized, wow, I'm actually I'm actually pretty good at this? I mean, I I will still say that I have a lot to learn, yeah. and I think um, I think that I have been. Um, I think timing has been really good. Um, with my films, um, I, I'm only as good as my team, to be honest. Um, so I'm enormously grateful to, to my team um, that helps me, you know, conceive of, I mean, I might come up with the idea, but they certainly help me develop it into and put it up on the, on the big screen. So I, I could not do this alone. It takes, it takes a village. Um, I think more what I would say is it's pretty amazing feeling when I realized that I've gone from just this idea in my mind to, wow, there it is. It's up on Amazon now, you know, yeah, yeah. and that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty, cool. that's, that's a good feeling. And again, you know, it's, it's a, it's a form of art. Not everybody's going to like it. And I, I think that I've also had to learn not to take it too personally. I want the most important thing for me and for my team, I think is to make sure that we are impartial um, that obviously I have feelings about, you know, the fact that I think that tech should be diverse, um, at least, you know, available to diverse communities. Um, and I think that we should all look inward and, and uh, you know, decide whether or not 
how we're going to try to mitigate some of our biases or at least recognize that we have bias. Right. So, so those are from that standpoint, you know, I have my persuasion. Um, but I'm, I realize that not the film's not going to hit everybody in the audience the same way. Um, but if it makes people think, if it just makes people think, or if it teaches them anything, then I feel like I've done my job as a, as a director. I think with any documentary, you, you set out to want to tell some type of story or at least ask questions that can tell a story. But at times, uh, you know, there are documentary filmmakers and, and, and they make no, you know, no secret about it. I am biased to what I'm doing. But let's talk about bias uh, and how this particular documentary came to life uh, and some things you uh, discovered through conversations, through dialogue, and through some of the questions you asked. Yeah, so I had just finished making Code Debugging the Gender Gap, and I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into um, what was really at the foundation, what was the motivation behind uh, prejudice and discrimination. And um, I began hearing the term you know, unconscious bias, and I thought, well, that's fascinating. You know, what is it? And if unconscious bias is a survival mechanism or heuristic that we all have as humans, you know, how is that useful in the modern world? That was fascinating to me. And so that's why I decided to make a film about bias. Um, think about something that's instinctive to humans. And yet we're, if we really want to be fair, you know, and mitigate our biases, our harmful biases, harmful biases on society, mm -hmm. um, then, you know, we're sort of asking ourselves to go against something that's instinctive, right? And that's challenge. And I was fascinated by that. Well, and you, you, I guess you discovered that in challenging those biases that we have, maybe can help people to learn more about themselves in the process? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting because if you asked anybody, and you saw that in the, in the documentary, I do this, um, I would just ask random people on the street, you know, do you think you're biased? And 99% of the time, people would say to me, um, no, fair, I, that's, and I'd say to them, okay. Well, what about your what about your friends and family? You know, do, are any of them biased? And ninety nine percent of the time, people said, "Oh, absolutely, they're biased." So, how is it that we don't recognize it in ourselves, and yet we see it so easily in other people? And that's the fascinating thing about bias: we really can't see it in ourselves, and yet we all are, right? Um, so, I think that that rather than feeling like you're a victim, which that's okay, many of us are of different biases trying to look inward and think, well, what kind of biases do I have? And how are those biases, or even if they're unconscious, how are they impacting you know, the people I hang out with, the people I hire, the people I work with? Um, and so the implicit association test of the film bias is um, sort of uh, anchored around the implicit association test, um, which Harvard has on its website. And I encourage any of your listeners to try it. Um, and it's really an interesting study that asks you to um, sort by sorting different words. It's, um, it's looking at the type of associations that you make between two different categories. So as you have uh, been showing this through screenings, uh, private and public, what kind of responses are you getting from, from the audience uh, as they see this and start thinking about what it means? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the audience seems to really enjoy it. Um, and most people say to me, you know, I want my, 
you know, husband to see this, or I want my kids to see this, or I want my, you know, it, so people want to know how other people can see it, right? How do I bring this to my company? Um, so it's definitely uh, impacts people. I think it also takes a little bit of time to digest it. And so often I'll get emails from people a day later, a week later. So, you know, I've been thinking about that documentary. So it's, it's definitely a thought provoking film. Um, it's, it's, you know, intellectual, it's, um, I wouldn't want to say it's like homework at all, because I, I believe that they made it entertaining and interesting. Um, but it is, it is an intellectual film. And, and I think people really respect that. It's, it makes you think. And I think the best films, uh, whether they are, are feature narratives that are fictional or whether they are documentaries that explore life, uh, any of those that can make you think are, are, doing, uh, are doing a great job. And any of those that make you think days, weeks, and sometimes months later uh, have gone far beyond. And, uh, and this is a documentary that I think does challenge people. I think it challenges people to look at themselves. I think it challenges people to look at those around them um, and, and to um, examine the world that we live in. And, uh, you know, the world that we live in is, is fueled by different cultures and, uh, and, and different religions and different races and different genders. And we are not all the same. Uh, we uh, are not brought up the same way. And because of that, we are going to have these, these, as you said, these things that are within us that make us feel or think a certain way. And sometimes when we step outside of that uh, and, and I think realize where and why, we can maybe understand a little bit more about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the key is to not beat yourself up about it, right? I mean, but rather than, rather than ignore it, you don't want to sweep it under the carpet either. I think we just need to look inward and see how, what is motivating my behavior and how might that be negatively impacting people around us. Right. So for instance, if you look at your team and you realize that everybody are, you know, all of mine are blonde women or, you know, all of yours maybe are white male, you know, it's important to stop and think, well, Am I doing that on purpose? And we all suffer from something called like me bias, which is that it's just easier to hire people, to um, make friends with people that are like us because they're less threatening, right? And that does come from a survival heuristic, which says that they're like me, therefore they're safe. But how does that help us in the, in the workplace? It doesn't at all. In fact, we know, and it's been proven time and time again, that diverse teams actually create better products. They have um, right, better ROI. Um, they're better companies. They make more money. So we have to actually go beyond ourselves. And one of the ways that we can do that is to just slow down. So if you immediately walk into a room or, or you're interviewing candidates, let's say, and somebody walks in and you think, oh, yeah, I don't know, something about that person just bugs me. Well, stop and make sure that, you know, that whatever you're, that feeling is, you might be right. You might be right. But make sure that it's based on facts that actually matter. Yeah, yeah. So if there's one lesson that you learned from creating this, what do you think that lesson is that you learned? I would say that I can't always trust my gut. Okay. Sometimes I have to 
sometimes I need to act on my gut. If I'm in a situation that I think is unsafe for me and that's my gut feeling, right. I, better, I better listen to that, right? But I can't always trust my gut. And um, I mean, think about it. How many times have all of us uh, walked into a room and or been at a dinner party or something and you think, okay, I, I'll have nothing in common with that one person. And then you end up sitting next to them and thinking, wow, actually, I really liked them. They were really interesting, right? So our first impressions aren't always correct. And I think that's what we need to know. Excellent. And if anyone wants to check out Bias or really any of your other work, what's the best way for that to happen? Yeah, well, so Bias is up on Amazon Prime, on iTunes, on Google Play. Um, so Voodoo. So those are great ways. Just Google it. Um, you can also Google Robin Hauser documentaries and um, my uh, website, which is Finish Line Feature Films, will pop up. And I've got, uh, I've got the four films listed there. Robin, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us on Meet Me in the Movies. I really appreciate it. And uh, I continue to uh, get excited about what you have next. And do you want to talk about what that might be or you are still trying to figure that out? Oh, no, I'm in the middle of, of production, which is, you know, obviously a little bit stalled right now because of uh, the, the COVID-19 situation. But I am in the middle of making the film called Savvy, which is about um, the importance for women to be financially uh, savvy or, or literate. Um, surprisingly, women tend to abdicate major financial decisions to the, the men in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this is a, obviously a problem because women live longer than men. We make less money. Um, and so it's important that women take an active role in managing and understanding their personal finances. And for some reason, uh, we don't like to do that. Excellent. I look forward to seeing Savvy when it's uh, ready. And I hope that you're able to push through uh, as soon as uh, the um, COVID-19 clears for us. So thanks for taking the time uh, to, to meet with us on Zoom and to uh, chat with us this way. And uh, looking forward to more people seeing bias and to uh, having that film challenge them and uh, get them to think a little bit. Noel, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Robin Hauser, our guest right here on Meet Me at the Movie, C19 TV and WGWG.org. Uh, you can always email us at info at C19.tv or info at WGWG.org. Till next time, that's a wrap.